At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VEASAN's Long Shots, the world's number one golf betting show with Wes Reynolds and sometimes Matt Humans. Here is Brady Cannon. Welcome in. It is another edition of Long Shots, the world's number one rated golf betting show right here on VEASAN and VEASAN.com, the sports betting network. I am Brady Cannon, along with Wes Reynolds, as we dive into another week on the PGA Tour. And Wes, we have two things that have happened in back-to-back weeks in a row on tour. You hit Justin Thomas for a winner at the PGA Championship, and then Matt Eumanns hit Sam Burns for a winner at the Charles Schwab Challenge. So two winners in a row for the Long Shots crew. And also, both Thomas and Burns in back-to-back weeks came from seven shots off the pace to win on Sunday. Pretty incredible. You don't often see a comeback from seven shots back too often, let alone in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, Sam Burns was longer odds than Justin Thomas. I think they put him at like 33-1 to or something to win the PGA that Sunday. Sam Burns at Circus Sports, I think I saw 200-1. to Wow. Or as high as that for Sam Burns. He was seven shots off the pace. Scotty Scheffler was the overnight leader. Scotty Scheffler still found his way in a playoff despite the fact that he didn't make a single birdie on Sunday. And if you watch the uh, the event at Colonial, it was basically the carnage started to happen on the back nine. I think the leaders at one point were like a 10 under. It was a four-way tie when I started watching after the Indy 500 got over. And then uh, I think Davis Riley got to 11 under par. And then all of a sudden, the winds picked up very much in the afternoon. The greens, of course, dried out. It was hot down there, too. It was in the, the uh, low to mid-90s down in Fort Worth. And it gets hot in Texas this time of year, or, uh, mid to late May. And you saw that these guys, these greens started to get so fast because they were dried out and they were firm. You saw guys missing two and three foot putts and everybody kind of fell off. Uh, Scott Stallings was in the mix. He fell off. Brendan Todd, I believe, was in that final pairing with Scotty Scheffler. And then uh, Harold Varner, the third, he really got the business. Uh, A couple triples, a double. Varner, I believe, was at one point on the lead. And I am uh, actually scrolling down the leaderboard to see where he finished. And I think 21st. Yeah. he was tied. He was way with, down there. He was a group there. of four guys at 10 under, and next thing you know, yeah. he was costing T27, himself a lot of money. T27, actually. Uh, eight over par round, 78 for Varner. But Sam Burns uh, made some putts and got in there early. I think he was about close to two hours before yes. Scheffler and the final group got done. Sam Burns gained 4.1 strokes putting on Sunday, and that was good enough. He won the playoff. Of course, Burns and Scheffler actually stayed together during the Masters and shared a home. So uh, two good friends, but I'm sure Scotty Scheffler didn't like losing it in that fashion. Scheffler did lead the uh, field, by the way, T to green, uh, about three strokes uh, T to green gained on the field. But nevertheless, Sam Burns, who I believe, oh, by the way, I think he's won now four times in like the last 
20 or so months. Uh, I think it's three times this season. Yes, yes, he has. So Sam Burns uh, is starting to win a lot of events, and I, I actually have that number in front of me. because uh, I think he's second to yeah. Scheffler in uh, yeah. FedEx Cup points. Yeah, Sam Burns right now, four wins overall in his last 27 starts. He's now number nine in the world. He's in the top 10. Both he and Scotty Scheffler, neither are part of this memorial this week, but seven of the top 10 are, 13 of the top 18. Jack's tournament in Columbus always draws a big time field. Yeah, let's dive into that tournament. It is the memorial, and I tell you, this is another biggie this week, another invitational for the second straight week, so only 120 players in the field, and a lot of golf royalty on the schedule for the past month or so. Lord Byron a few weeks ago, Hogan's Alley last week at Colonial, and now we have arrived, like you mentioned, at Jack's Place. It is the memorial tournament at Mirfield Village. Of course, Jack Nicholas designed in 1974. It became a mainstay on the PGA Tour in 1976. And I tell you what, Wes, maybe even more so than Riviera, this is a major championship-like mm. test this week, and this golf course will make you do everything well in order to win. Yeah, and, and Jack has said that in terms of the redesign. Remember, I think it was after the 2020 event where they ripped up darn near the entire course while the event was still going on, because I remember having John Rahm, and he got home uh, that year for us. But, yeah, they were ripping this course up, and it, it is Mirfield Village. It is a long golf course, uh, about a little over 7,500 yards, par 72, so Bent grass greens, very similar to Augusta. I think this was kind of Jack's tribute in a way as a combined tribute to Muirfield, mm -hmm. where he he did uh, win uh, the Grand Slam, I believe, for the first time back in 1966, and also to Augusta National. So Jack did design this uh, back in uh, 1974, 1976. It first started to host the event. Fairways are pretty generous, uh, you know, about 35 feet wide on average, but you do have trouble lurking if you miss those fairways. It's a mix of bluegrass, ryegrass, and fescue rough about four inches. So this is uh, the first test of really thick rough, I think, this year before these players go to the U.S. Open next month. Very firm greens, about 5,000 square feet. So a lot of dangers. It's a second-shot course, but Jack Nicholas has commented, I want you to use every club in the bag, and the players are going to have to do so this week. Well, you mentioned it. We know Nicholas's affinity for Augusta National, and that is seen in the design of this golf course. We've seen a great deal of crossover success between the two golf courses as well. As far as trying to find correlations, I went to the, uh, the concession. Of course, that is another Nicholas design that we saw on tour last year. Glenn Abbey, mm -hmm. host of the RBC Canadian Open in most years, not every year, another Nicholas design. And then I also looked at TPC Potomac, where they just held the Wells Fargo a couple weeks ago, and in the recent past, the Quicken Loans National. Where did you far, uh, fall as far as comp courses for this week? Yeah, the two Nicholas designs that I think are most comparable are Glen Abbey, which has hosted the Canadian Open uh, many times over the years. A little bit of PGA National, I think, too, just because of the course difficulty. I used Augusta. I used Potomac. A little bit of Innisbrook, where mm -hmm. they have the uh, Valspar, Torrey Pines, Bay Hill, simply because of the length, especially Torrey Pines. And, uh, you know, Bay Hill, kind of one of those classical-type designs. Another but, invitational. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and you look, like some of the Nicholas designs, and I listed them in my write-up, they're not really correlated courses like the, P like the Nicholas course at PGA West mm -hmm. or Sherwood or someplace like that. So probably the two most uh, close Nicholas designs, I think, that these players regularly play are Glen Abbey and PGA National. All right, it is time now for our member guest segment, and for that we bring in our friend Will Gray. He's been with us each and every year here on Long Shots, and he is a major championship caliber guy, so we bring him on for these big boy events, and for a few years in a row now, he's been our man for the Memorial. Will is the manager of golf content for NBC Sports Edge, formerly of the Golf Channel, and you can follow him on Twitter at WillGrayGC. Will, great to have you back again on Long shots we appreciate you keeping the streak alive with us here we mentioned it briefly this is a big boy golf course big boy golf tournament and like a major championship one is going to have to do just about everything this well or this week to win and what can you tell us about Mirfield Village in 2022 Wes alluded to it briefly we think uh, it'll be uh, certainly one of the harder tests that they've seen in quite a while maybe going back to Riviera but we know Jack Nicholas likes to make major and minor tweaks to this golf course all the time. What test will Mirfield Village present this time around? Hey guys, first off, always good to be with you. 
Uh, good to get the band back together here for uh, for Memorial Week. As you said, it's it's one of the big weeks of the year. It's not quite amazing, but it's certainly going to feel like it's a week uh, up in Ohio. You know, part of it is the cadence of the schedule. It's two weeks before a major, so all the big names want to be playing and want to be sharpening their game. Uh, but as you said, you know, the Golden Bear he presents a very stern test. That, you know, I, I think that for me, it, it's it's a big mix of. Uh, you know, I was talking to a friend earlier today. It, you know, you start with with first game approach. You know, you need someone that's going to keep it in play and is really going to maximize the iron. But you also need uh, a strong short game. So yeah, anytime you're, you're a really good iron player with a nifty short game, that's going to work most weeks. It's really going to have to work this week uh, because this is going to require an all-around test. Uh, you know, I heard you guys talking about it just a couple minutes ago. But the thing that stands out for me at Muirfield Village this year and any year really is just how much you get punished for misses. The rough there is so thick. The greens are lightning fast. These bunkers are the hardest bunkers on the PGA Tour in terms of proximity to the hole. Uh, so it really is a, a week where, you know, you can go around, you can make your birdies around Muirfield Village, but you know as soon as you go offline, you need to clamp down and, and really try and get things back on track as soon as possible because uh, it, can, it can spiral in a big way. Will Gray of NBC Sports Bet is our guest and uh, eagerly uh, waiting for the press release to see who is going to be in that live golf tour field next week. Uh, <laughs> we're about a week away. We still don't know any of the players. Maybe we'll find that out sooner rather than later. But, uh, Will, uh, look, we were talking about course correlations here. And, you know, we mentioned a couple of the Nicholas designs, Glen Abbey, a little bit, maybe a PGA National, and we know Augusta. Any other courses that you have seen or that you found in your research that you think, okay, Guys that have won there, guys that have or excuse me succeeded there, can win here at Muirfield. Yeah, I think Wes. At this point, you might be getting a live golf invitation before the week is out. <laughs> one way or another. Uh, yeah, you mentioned you know a lot of the Nicholas courses that, that come to mind. PGA National is one for me. Maybe I'm a, I'm a Florida homer, so I think that the Florida courses do have some comparisons. But that's you know it's a Nicholas design, and it's just so hard, and, it, and there's so much rough, and there is water on, on a lot of holes. Which do have not quite as much at, at Muirfield Village, but you do have some water that comes into play. Uh, and the other one where water doesn't really come into play uh, that is up in that neck of the woods is Firestone. And we don't see that course anymore with the old WGC Bridgestone Invitational. But I, I think if you look back at the players that really, you know, you were, were able to, to find that leaderboard more often than not, it's another one where it was, you know, a, a more limited field. That was a no-cut event. This one you still have a cut at 120 guys. Um, but I think that the, there is some course comps there in terms of just the ball striking needs and, and the, the thin margin for misses on and around those greens. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Will. I, I did not incorporate Firestone into my handicap this week because it has been a while since we've seen it on tour. A lot of the guys in this field have never played that golf course, but certainly worth a look, the old WGC at Firestone. There is so much talent at the top of the odds board this week uh, and really on down into the 50 to 60 to 1 range, Will. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay, three of those four guys have won here before. Did you land on anybody uh, as far as the short price? And if so, how did you choose amongst that star power? Yeah, I think this is a real exercise in value this week because you know it's it's a double-edged sword. In order, you know, in order to win this event, in order to beat this field, you got to beat a lot of really good players. But as a result, you also get some really tasty prices on some guys that you're used to seeing in that you know ten, twelve, fourteen to one range. I do think that we're heading for a, a big name winner this week. You know, that's been the trend. There have been some. Some quirky winners in, in years past, but you look at the last three or four years, you include that Workday Charity Open uh, a couple years back, and it's not only you know top pedigree winners, but the guys that are finishing second are household names as well. And so I think it really just speaks to how difficult this this course is. It's a time of year and a part of the season where the best players in the world are playing the best, uh, and so as a result, you, you kind of have that that mix that that brings the brand names to the top. So two that I, I definitely have circled that I, I want to have tickets on this week. Uh, is one that's, that won that Workday event uh, a couple years ago. That's Colin Morikawa. I think that there's there's some value on him. It's always going to be about the putter. I mean, but but you know that's <laughs> you, you can't get uh, the consistency that you want from him because of the the work on and around the greens that, that is a big question mark. But man, the irons are so good, especially around this place. And, and he has played well uh, multiple times here before, including that that big playoff win uh, over Justin Thomas uh, a couple years back. But he's, you know, a, a guy that where you, you're used to seeing him up among the, the tournament leaders. And, you know, he's still a top-five player in the world. And so I think that there's definitely uh, some value there. And, and drifting a little bit further down is Shane Lowry. I admit, 
Uh, Shane Lowry's my guy this year in terms of, you know, you're always in the bag for someone. Of, you know, your number, you can crush the numbers, you can look, you know, look at the eye test, you can check your gut, and you got, keep coming up on someone. And I feel like I am just pot committed on Shane Lowry this year. He's going to win something soon. Uh, he, he picks all the, all the boxes this week. He's going to take all the boxes a couple weeks from now at Brookline. Uh, but, but, you know, the combination of approach play, scrambling, uh, you know, work on and around the greens. I love how he responded to that, that near miss at the Honda. He has not missed a beat. He's gotten himself back in contention time and time again. And this is one where he's out, you know, at 25, 30 to one rate, depending on where you're shopping. Uh, and I think that's a really good number for a guy of his caliber this week. Well, I've actually been on Shane Lowry a fair amount myself this year. Had him at the Masters, had him at the RBC. So uh, I'm with you. I do think that he's going to win sometime very soon. One guy that hasn't won in a while, that actually about a year and a half, and he's played some pretty miserable golf. But now we're seeing uh, Patrick Reed all of a sudden entering the chat. Uh, Contended last week at Colonial. First time in a while, we really kind of saw him on that first page of the leaderboard. Uh, Had been missing cuts. Looked like he got rid of uh, his uh, PXG driver and uh, feeling a lot better off the tee and that's somebody I was noticing kind of in the mid price range because I know that this is going to be difficult especially around the green and who's as good around the green as Patrick Reed but I wonder have you seen enough to kind of buy in that maybe he's starting to return to form it certainly piqued my interest Um, I I think that you know with Patrick Reed he was not able to hit the ball out of his shadow off the tee that's going to be problematic especially on the PGA Tour in 2022 uh, so there are definitely some comparisons to what Papa Watson did a couple years ago when he was playing a putt-putt ball, essentially, uh, and was, was missing cuts left and right, and then all of a sudden he went back to playing an actual golf ball, and he's able to win three times and really get back to winning and, and playing well in the courses that we're used to seeing him play well on. So P. Reed is another one where you're right. The, the short game speaks for itself. That's a big reason why he contends and why he has won the tournaments that he's won. This is a course where he's had some great success, you know, a top-five finish last year, a couple other top ten. So this is one of those, those haunts where if he's playing well, that he should be playing well here. Uh, I still, you know, the jury's still out for me. I think that the, the price is intriguing. I might find other ways to, to back him, whether that's a head-to-head or a top 20 or things like that. I feel like this is something where he's going to require some incremental progress and he's going to have to get into contention uh, a little bit more over the weekend before I'm really looking to, to buy a, a win ticket on him, especially in a field like this, which is so loaded. Now, you know, I say that, but he won, you know, at, at Torrey Pines against a pretty good field, uh, you know, recently. Uh, so he, and, and anyone that's got a green jacket in the closet can beat the best of the best. Um, but I, I do think that it, it is worth noting. I think that this is going to be something where the next couple months could be a, a buy in general on Patrick Reed. I'm not quite ready to fire this week, but you're right. He's, he seems to have figured something out, especially off the tee, and that's that's probably all it's going to take to get him back in the mix on a somewhat regular basis. How about some of the longer bombs, Will? And we've some of the, we've seen some of these guys win here before too. David Lingmurth and Billy McGirt come to mind. Anybody that you have your eye on this week in triple digits or so, deeper down the board to win the Memorial? Yeah, this is a, this is a guy. I think he, he qualifies as a household name, but he's sitting there in triple digits. It's interesting, you know, I, I mentioned incremental progress, and a name that's coming to mind for me is Ricky Fowler. And, and this is a course that he has had uh, tremendous success on before, a bunch of top 10s and top 20s. And, and I feel like he and Jason Day are on some interesting paths as they try and rebuild. Uh, we were all spoiled by how quickly Jordan Spieth turned it back on and then continued to just play Jordan Spieth golf. This is more what Fowler and, and Day are, are going through is more of what you would expect of, of a rebuild where – you know, you put up a 63 and then you can't back it up, or you get a 36-hole co-lead and then you start to fade. Uh, and, and both of them are showing some signs of progress. I'm a little more bullish this week on Fowler just because of the course history and how well he has played here. Um, so he's someone that, that, again, is floating out there in, in definitely in triple-digit land. Uh, you know, he's, he's not quite a, a David Lingworth in 2015, but, but the game, is, you know, last this time last year he was lost. I mean, there's a reason that he – you know, he's not in the majors anymore. He missed the Players' Championship this year. I mean, his game fell off the grid. He's starting to bring it back with some made cuts, with some consistency, with playing himself back into, you know, the mix where the bad weeks maybe are T-52 instead of four straight missed cuts, but the good weeks are getting to be uh, top 10s and top 20s. So he's someone that maybe you want to put a sprinkle on to win, but, as, you know, certainly whether you're looking at matchups or, or a juicy number on a top 20, I think that there are ways to invest on Ricky this week. 
Yeah, and Will's absolutely right about Ricky Fowler. He has had good form. If you look at that form sheet, I believe he was the uh, runner-up here to Jason Duffner back in 2017. He and Anabon Lahiri when Duff won that event. But, Will, if you're, we're narrowing it down to four here, and we're giving you a foursome here for the Memorial at Muirfield Village, who are you going with this week? Oof, that is a good question. Uh, I will I will want uh, Morikawa. Um, I think that, you know, a lot of people are – are talking about Rom and Cantley because of how well they've played, um, you know, winning here essentially the last three years between the two of them. Uh, but I, I will go with the other uh, part of the Zurich Classic uh, team with Cantley. I think Xander Shoffley, you know, ticks a lot of boxes this week for me in terms of the iron play, in terms of, uh, you know, how well he's been playing and, and four straight top 15 finishes at this course. Uh, I will keep my, my Shane Lowry ticket and then, uh, for a, a curveball to round things out, how about Adam Scott? Uh, trying out mm. some new irons this week, which is a little bit concerning for me, but this is, again, a, a place where he has finished second before, uh, a couple other top ten finishes. Uh, I know he missed the cut at the PGA, but he started to, you know, when the, he started to put up some results uh, throughout early 2022, where when things have been going well, uh, he's going to be in the mix. And, again, this is this is a value play, where if you see a, a 60 or 70 to 1 on Adam Scott on a course like this, where, uh, you know, it's, We've seen players like Hideki win, where you don't need to be a world-class putter to win on these lightning-fast greens at Muirfield Village. You need to be hitting 13, 14, 15 greens in regulation and keep the ball in play off the tee. So he's someone that uh, that definitely piques my interest, so I'll throw him in to round things up. Yeah, Adam Scott has a great history on Jack Nicklaus design courses as well, and of course he has that green jacket in his closet. Adam Scott, Adam Scott, Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, and Shane Lowry, the four ball for our man, Will Gray. Will, before we let you go, we are just 16 days away from the third major of the season. The U.S. Open will take place at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts, beginning on June 16th. Do you have any plays in pocket or anybody that you're strongly considering at this point? Uh, I have no one in pocket. I will say I, I need to do some crash course on Brookline uh, because this is a course that, that I know less about than most U.S. Open courses. I think that most of the players are going to say the same because it's not a, you know, a lot of the players weren't, you know, certainly weren't alive for the 88 U.S. Open and a lot of them don't remember the 99 Ryder Cup except for what they've seen on YouTube with Justin Leonard, uh, you know, crashing the, the party on the 17th screen there. Uh, you know, it, from all from everything we've heard from the USJ, is it's going to be a classic U.S. Open setup. Matt Fitzpatrick is going to get a lot of buzz having won mm-hmm. uh, the U.S. Amateur there a couple years ago and having come so close uh, at the PGA a couple weeks ago. I, I am more in a steer-clear mode with guys like him and Zalatoris. I want to see him get it done uh, before I, I'm willing to you know, really invest them on them on that side. But I, I do think that a lot of this week is going to be very indicative. I mean, it's, it's cliche given what we saw last year with John Rahm essentially winning this tournament and then turning around and winning at Torrey Pines. But I, I'm very interested to see how, because so many of the top players are playing this week. The guys that, that don't play well this week, that's going to be concerning. But then the guys that do, it's really going to be uh, something that, that piques my interest. I will, I'll probably find a way to, to back Shane Lowry because it's, it's going to be a course that I do think you're going to get a decent number on him. And, and he just likes the, the courses to play a little bit more difficult. Um, I, I think that Morikawa is going to be another guy that is, is somewhat floating under the radar because he doesn't have the recent form over the last five, six starts. Uh, but still, the, the iron game is so crisp that he can turn it on at a moment's notice if the short game cooperates. Um, and, and again, other than that, I'll be watching this week and we'll see. Uh, I, I, one other one I'll throw in there is, is Joaquin Neiman. Uh, you know, we saw there's, there's definitely some some Riviera aspect to, to the, the field for this week. And we saw what he did against the field uh, back in February and, and what his countryman, Mito Pereira, almost did at PGA a couple weeks ago. So uh, Neiman is, is getting to, to the point right now where he deserves to be in the discussion of guys that can break through among that younger crop on a major stage. So uh, his, his iron game, his tee to green game is certainly uh, notable when you get into a U.S. Open setup where that becomes so critical to keep the ball in play and then maximize what you can with the long iron. Yeah, I think you make a great point there, Will. Not only this week uh, should indicate possible success at a U.S. Open, but I think last week, too, Colonial typically very much resemble a U.S. Open, especially a classic U.S. Open-type setup, which the USGA, of course, is claiming what we'll find at the Country Club in Massachusetts. Thank you, my friend. As always, enjoy the memorial, and we'll talk to you again soon. All right, always good to be with you guys. Have a good week. Thank you, Will.
That is Will Gray. Follow him on Twitter at Will Gray GC. One of the originals started yes. uh, started way back when we did on Long Shots, yes. and certainly uh, one of the great guests that we no, have. No, d- does a great job now at NBC Sports. Betty also might have teased uh, one of my selections this week for the Memorial. That's not uncommon with our guests often landing on some of the same guys we do. When we come back, before we get there, that of course will be in our match play segment to round up the program. But before we get there, we're going to go across the pond and also talk about some major implications when we come back right here on Long Shots. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Long Shots. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you, and it's time to go across the pond. Wes, the DP World Tour, is in Germany this week at Glen Eagle Golf Course in Hamburg for the Porsche European Open. And a couple of guys at the top of the odds board, Tommy Fleetwood and Robert McIntyre, we've seen more of these guys Mm -hmm. stateside as of late rather than over on the European Tour. Yeah, hoping uh, the DP World Tour goes better than it did for me last week. Uh, had Ryan Fox at 25-1. Hey, you can't to complain. One. You had the Indy 500 winner. Yeah, I you know. You had JT. And, and I even mentioned that. Before <laughs> that was came, tough, though. Before I came up, we came on the air, I even mentioned that. I was like, you know, I got that Justin Thomas in the back door at Southern Hills for the PGA. It was almost like I was deserved one on the other side, and I certainly got it with Ryan Fox at the Dutch Open last week. Three-stroke lead on a par 5 team, drives it in the water off the tee, misses the green on the pro. Duffs his fourth shot into a bunker, took a double bogey seven. Still made the playoff, though. Vanderveld-esque. Yes, absolutely. Victor Perez made a 35-footer for birdie to tie him for the lead. Missed his seven-footer on 18 for birdie, so they went into the playoffs. Perez had to make a 15-footer and a 30-footer on separate playoff holes to stay alive. It looks like Fox had finished him off, but nevertheless, Victor Perez gets the win. And by the way, the top three finishers, Victor Perez, Ryan Fox, Adrian Moronk, get the three places for the Open Championship because Mm. they have that open qualifying series that they'll have some of those events on the PGA Tour, and we'll point that out as we get to them, and and the DP World Tour, of course, has them. So uh, they are now in the Open Championship. You did mention Tommy Fleetwood, first start in Europe in 2022, 12-1. to So drop in class, but also a drop in price here, too, and I I couldn't get next to that. Uh, And then some other guys, Robert McIntyre was runner-up here to Paul Casey in 2019, and uh, 
some some of the more European mainstays have been on here. Uh, this has actually been in Germany now for several years. It's in Winston, Germany at Green Eagle Golf Course. This course actually can play as long as 7,800 yards, but wow. it looks like it's going to go 7,603 for the par 72. We actually hit this one last year, Brady. Marcus Armitage at 80-1 to 1 got there for us at the Porsche European Open. So let's see if we can go back-to-back in Germany where I started. And look, I think good form, one trend here, five of the last six winners uh, that have all been played here at this Green Eagle Golf Course have had a top eight finish in their previous start leading up to this European Open. So a couple of those guys qualify for me this week. One at the top, Adrian Moronk, 20 to 1. I mentioned him a moment ago. Another near miss, and he had another third place finish. He's got three third place finishes in his last five events. Hmm. Uh, look, he got in the Open, so that's one less thing for him to worry about. Now he's trying to nab that maiden PD, uh, DP World Tour victory. Man from Poland. Uh, not a lot of players on these tours from Poland. Number three for strokes gained off the tee. Number six for putts per GIR. So Adrian Moronk, 20 to 1. A couple uh, pair of guys at 25 to 1. Jordan Smith, who actually won the first time the event was held here at Green Eagle at 2017. Number one in GIR. Number two off the tee for strokes gained. So Jordan Smith's got a good all around game. Rasmus Hoygaard, 25 to 1. Uh, he's already won three times in his short career on the DP World Tour. Of course, his twin brother, Nikolai, has also won on the DP World Tour. Uh, hasn't missed a cut yet this season. Five top 20s and 10 starts. 10th uh, last week at the Dutch Open, 16th at the British Masters. So he's been trending nicely, too, off the tee. He's been gaining off the tee. The greens and regulations first and second over the last two starts. So Hoygaard Rasmus at 25 to 1. Matt Wallace, 45 to 1. And mm-hmm. there's a name you hadn't heard from in a while. Another guy that we've seen a lot of states. Yeah, and he hasn't been making a lot of cuts either. He's missed nine cuts and ten starts on the PGA Tour. But look. He said, I got to go back home. Go back home. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. He returned last weekend for the Dutch Open. He was actually in the final pairing with Victor Perez last week. Tied for fifth. Didn't really make any putts on Sunday. Eighth in tee to green. Seventh in approach. He's won in Germany before 2018 BMW International Open. Uh, one German player that I like, too, that plays a lot on the channel challenge tour but taking advantage of recent starts on the dp world tour marcel schneider at 66 to 1 and he was 13th at the catalonia seventh in belgium at the sudal open fourth last week at the dutch open finished seventh in this event last year so marcel schneider 66 to 1 christopher broberg 125 to 1 his last win actually was at the fall at the dutch open where he returned last week was 14th in defense of his title had a two-month layoff but if you look at that finish of 14th some other numbers say that he might have should have got a better fate. Seventh tee to green, third off the tee, second for driving accuracy, first in greens and regulation. That tells you that his short game wasn't very good last week, but at 125 to 1, I think it's worth it. And then we're going to go with a real bomb here. It is a local angle. Nick Bosham at 400 to 1. Wow. This is a step up in class. He's a 22 year old German player. He plays on the challenge tour, but he's been going well on the lower tour. Now, he missed the cut last year here as an amateur invite, but incoming finishes 20th, third, 11th, fifth last week on the challenge tour could be a big price that gets there. So uh, I don't know if it's Bacham or Bosham, but I know he's 400 to one. And I know if he cashes, I'm going to be a very happy man. <laughs> very good. Well, let's shift over to major implications. Of course, next up on the calendar is the U S open and West this week. We have the U.S. Open as well on the ladies' side, and I know you've got a couple of plays going for that one. We do. Pine Needles Lodge and Golf Club in Southern Pines. This has hosted the U.S. Open, or Women's Open, rather, three times before. 1996, Annika and Stam won that. 2001, Kari Webb. 2007, Christy Kerr. So three, obviously, class Hall of Fame players on the ladies' side. Speaking of Annika Sorenstam, as a side note, she won the U.S. Women's uh, uh, Senior Women's Open last summer that gets her a spot in this year. USG event. She has not played in the U.S. Women's Open in 14 years, pretty much retired, does some broadcasting, of course, was the Solheim Cup captain, so doesn't play a lot. So nice to see her here. And, and like we, Nick Bacham, she's about 400 to 1. She I is 400 as well. to 1. And then another long shot of note, maybe not to bet, but this might be, and we've been hearing this is Michelle Wee West uh, swan song, the big wheezy, that she's going to step away from the game. I don't know if she's never going to play again, but this is, I think, as as a really active tour player, 
going to be her last start. Of course, she won back in 2014 this major at Pinehurst number two. So she's 501. But let's get to the top of the board. World number one favorite is Jin Young Ko, 15 to two. Winner earlier this season in Singapore. She was also the runner up in 2020 at the U.S. Open. Uh, Minji Lee is up there near the top. World number four, one of the hottest players out there right now. 12 to one. Already got a win this year. Won her first major last summer. Lydia Ko, 12 to one. She's also won already this season. Lexi Thompson, 14 to one. But probably the big story is the return of world number two and the Olympic reigning mm-hmm. champion, Nellie Korda, who has not played since February. She needed surgery. She actually suffered a blood clot in the, I'm going to try to pronounce this right and be act like I'm a medical doctor here, subclavian vein in her left arm in early March. So she has not played since February. This is her first time. That's why you're getting Nellie Corda at 18 to one. You don't get Nellie Corda week to week on the LPGA tour at that type of price. So uh, you got a lot of good players here. Obviously, this is a major championship. Uh, Jennifer Cupjo was the winner of the first major this year at the Chevron, which used to be the old... I- Dinah Shore, right. and she won that, at, and and uh, she is fifty to one here in the U.S. Women's Open. But let me go ahead and uh, get to the course, and then get to the selections. This is a Donald Ross design, by the way, at Pine Needles. So if you know Donald Ross courses, you see those crown-shaped greens. Well, and maybe Michelle, we make sense. You mentioned she won at Pinehurst, Pinehurst number two, a Donald Pinehurst. Ross design. I, you know, I think at a big price, people will take shots, of course. Uh, but you know, traditional flat tree line Donald Ross design. I mentioned those crown greens, Bermuda grass uh, pretty much all over the course uh, not really huge thick rough here only about two inches but nevertheless this is going to be a relatively tight course I don't expect uh, in a U.S. Women's Open that you're going to see many under par win this thing I think it was four under last year at the Olympic Club and speaking of the Olympic Club I went with somebody that had a very miserable Sunday at the Olympic Club last year and that's Lexi Thompson 14 mm-hmm. to 1 looking for some redemption good form though two runners up fourth already this season remember she had like a five shot lead going into the back nine and just absolutely fell apart but we know she's a talented player she's a former major champion, number one on tour in greens and regulation, number two for scoring average, number eight in driving distance. So Lexi Thompson in pretty good form. Another one that's in pretty good form, and we're going uh, with some youth, and that's Ataya Titikul of Thailand, 30-1. to She's only 19 years old, got her first LPGA win at the uh, JTB Classic in Carlsbad, California, four top 10s and 11 starts, leads the tour in birdies this season, third with most Eagles, and she's also the current Rookie of the Year leader. Usually I don't like to take inexperienced players at majors, but we have seen on the women's tour – a lot of young players have won major championships at a young age. Lydia Ko, uh, several others. Uh, I could go on and on. And another lady that actually won a major championship at 19 years old back in 2014 at the Avion was Huju Kim, 33-1. to And she's had a couple looks since then, lost the playoff at the U.S. Women's Open in 2018 to Aria Jutunagarn. She uh, won just seven weeks ago, actually, at the uh, Latte Championship in Hawaii. Really good putter. And I think with these Donald Ross greens, if they don't see them a lot, you're going to want to rely on really good putters. And Huju Kim is one of them, fourth in putting average on the LPGA Tour. Madeline Sagstrom, uh, 40 to 1, four straight top 10 finishes entering into this week. Best major championship finish last summer. She had a runner-up at the Women's British Open and uh, just been playing consistent. I thought at that middle price of 40 to 1, a good play. Another former major champion, Patty Tavatanakit at 45 to 1, another player from Thailand. Remember, she won her first LPGA event in a major championship in 2021. That was then known, the former dinosaur, it was the ANA inspiration. Uh-huh. Now the Chevron Championship, always the first major of the year in April. Excellent putter. Second in, in putts per greens and regulation. Fifth for putting average. Short game is going to be vital. And then I, I took a chance. I did not get the price because I, I think the market beat me to this. Uh, Mao Saigo at 50 to 1 from Japan. She's only 20 years old. How about this? She's got five victories already this year on the LPGA of Japan tour and two runners up. And by the way, those finishes only over the course of the last three months. So, you know, I'm late to the party a little bit following the market here, but I just happened to notice that she's played her way in the top 20 in the world in the women's uh, Rolex uh, golf rankings. But Mouse Saigo at 50 to 1, I think she was out there as high as 70 or 80 earlier this week. 
All right, well, let's shift over to the men's side. They've got their U.S. Open coming up in 16 days from today. They will tee it up on June 16th at the Country Club in Brookline, Massachusetts. And I know, Wes, you have Cameron Smith for the U.S. Open. You made a bet on him for every major this season. Anybody else that you have come up with as we sit just two weeks away from major number three? Well, Will might have given a tell, and I know we're not going to get a good price on him because everybody knows, but he makes totals sense and that's Matt Fitzpatrick Mm -hmm. because he did win the U.S. Amateur up there at Brookline uh, uh, several years ago so look everybody's going to point to him I don't think we're going to get a really good price I mean now are you convinced he's going to win then you absolutely bet him I think you know even if you're not getting the greatest of price but you know he was somebody I was looking at I'm going to want to see over the next couple weeks you know how these guys are playing in terms of you know bogey avoidance I'm gonna want to look at approach I look at strokes gain approach every week also did so this week for the memorial I'm gonna want to see proximity because look I think this is going to be a classic U.S. Open this is not going to be like what we've seen you know at Aaron Hills or Mm -hmm. some maybe off the beaten path venues this is a classical northeast U.S. Open tight fairways thick rough tree line so I think we're kind of back to what the USGA wants it to be because they want par they wanted it close to par I think in terms of the winning score and they might get it here this year well we thought we were going to get that with winged foot in 2020 as well definitely a very classic US open design with the thick rough and narrow fairways and then you know oddly enough a bomber like Bryson DeChambeau wins it but if you look down that leaderboard certainly there were some classic US open players at the top of that board as well and and by the way, Gil Hance did his, you know, he put his hands on winged foot, did a little remodel renovation there at winged foot. And he has also done the same here at the country club. Also coming did up. Southern Hills. Absolutely. Uh, weeks ago. So Gil Hance uh, very quickly becoming the go-to guy in terms of uh, some uh, renovations and whatnot, designed the Olympic course in Rio back in 2016. So Gil Hance, the portfolio is rapidly expanding for him. And I did make my first play for the United States Open Championship coming up. I did it last night, and it's a guy that has played very well on Gil Hance remodels and a guy that's been in very good form as of late. This might surprise you. 55-1, to Tony Finau. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I talked about that with Will Gray. Will Gray made the comment that, you know, look for the players that do well this week at the Memorial as possible indicators to do well at the Country Club for the U.S. Open. And I also believe, and I believe Will is correct in saying that, I also believe Colonial can be an indicator for yeah. the U.S. Open. It actually held the U.S. Open way back yeah, when. Yeah, Tony Finau very quietly went up the leaderboard last week, too. I mean, Finished was out, fourth. Was out in the earlier conditions, but if you look at him, uh, uh, gained pretty much everywhere, did not lose any strokes on the greens or on approach or off the tee. In fact, gained everywhere. Seven under, very consistent, ended up T4. So Tony Finau may be starting to show some signs here. He had a top 10 finish at that U.S. Open at winged foot in 2020. We know he's had a number of top 10 finishes in major championships. I mentioned how well he's done on the Gil Hance remodels and also a fourth last week at Colonial. He was 30th at Southern Hills for the PGA. He was second in Mexico a few weeks back to John Rahm. Now, that was against a very weak field, but no shame in finishing second regardless. So Tony Finau makes my card my first play for the U.S. Open at 55-1. to Uh, Matt Eumanns does not have any plays yet for the U.S. Open. You have Cameron Smith. You mentioned you're taking a hard look at Matthew Fitzpatrick. That is going to do it for the major implications. No real information to report after that. We will probably have some more plays in pocket coming up next week but now it is time to take a break and get to our match play segment the final segment of the program here where we give out all of our plays for this week's event of course it is the memorial at Mirfield Village all the plays from Wes myself and Matt Eumanns on the other side right here on Long Shots at Bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of times you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Long Shots. Brady Cannon and Wes Reynolds with you, and it is time for our match play segment. We go over all of our plays for this week's event. Of course, it is a big boy, the Memorial, an invitational at Mirfield Village, Jack's Place in Dublin, Ohio, and we will start with Matt Eumanns' plays fresh off of his win last week with Sam Burns at Colonial. Matt hit Burns at 30-1, to and this week he's got a one guy shorter than 30-1 to topping his board, and he lines up with our guest Will Gray on Colin Morikawa at 22 to 1. Of course, Morikawa, a winner at the Workday Charity event when they had the venue being at Memorial two weeks in a row, or at Mirfield Village, rather. They played the Memorial, and a week before that, they played the Workday. It was Morikawa who got it done in a playoff over Justin Thomas. He also ended up in a playoff at a Memorial on another time, so certainly has some great course history there. Will Zalatoris made Matt's card once again. I believe that's three. Three weeks in a row for Maddie on Willie Z at 33 to 1. Cameron Young might be at least a couple, three weeks in a row on uh, the Young Star as well. Cameron Young at 35 to 1. Max Homa at 42 to 1. I almost got there with Mad Max, a recent winner at TPC Potomac just a few weeks, uh, few weeks back. And then Aaron Wise at 77 to 1 rounds out Matt's card of futures to win the Memorial. And then one head to head matchup for Matt. He's got John Rahm, minus 125 over Rory McIlroy. Yeah, those are the two favorites, basically, on the board this week. Uh, Patrick Cantlay not too far behind. But uh, I did match up with Matt on one, which I'll get to momentarily. I almost got there with Zalatoris, too, and I'm worried I'm just going to mistime it uh, with him. But I did leave him off. But I left option for an in-play. Didn't have as many this week. But topping the board for me, and Will Gray teased it in his segment earlier in the program, Xander Schauffele, 21-1. to He's finished inside the top 14 his last four appearances here at Muirfield, including that workday event that you mentioned, that temporary event where Marikawa beat Thomas in the playoff, and then Rom won the very next week, and uh, that's when I got aboard. I hit the second of the uh, Memorial Duo events back there in 2020. Uh, Shoffley, look, he's got to win this year. It was a team event in New Orleans. His partner, Patrick Cantlay, two-time Memorial champion here, but Xander since then, fifth at the Byron Nelson, 13th at the PGA. Remember that Byron Nelson round on Sunday? I think he yeah. shot like 62 or something, 62 or 63, where he was a clubhouse leader for a while. So he's starting to come around. Uh, hopefully this guy's starting to come around, too. Victor Hovland, 25-1. to 1. We mentioned that 2020 workday. Morikawa first, Thomas second. Well, the guy that was in third was one Victor Hovland. He was also eighth at their 36 holes the week after that in the Memorial event that John Rahm won, but then kind of fell away. The course really, I think, got tough. And when you're young, it's kind of harder to play tougher courses. And he just fell down the board. He was only 21 last week at Colonial, but if you look inside the numbers, third in total driving, fourth in strokes gained off the tee, ninth in strokes gained putting. Irons actually let him down a little bit last week, and if you really look statistically, and you can read that in my write-up at Point Spread Weekly tomorrow, I monitor a few stats, 
It's really his iron game that's been the best part of his game. He ranks fourth in the field for strokes gain approach this week over the last 36 rounds. So, obviously, that's going back a few months. And, you know, I usually model when I do that, by the way, 24 rounds, 36 rounds. So, Victor Hovland, 25 to 1, I thought was fair. I could see him going well. Another guy that returned, he was away from the tour for a little while because he had that uh, that absence following a positive COVID test at home in Korea was Sun JM, 37-1, came back to action last week at Colonial, respectable T-15, but if you look, only Scotty Scheffler, who reached the playoff, was better than him T to green. Sun JM, second in the field for T to green, fifth in strokes gained around the green, and I think around the green, scrambling, a little bit of a combination of both is going to be important this week because you are going to have these fast, firm greens where some of these approaches are going to roll off. So that means you got to be very good in your chipping, your short pitching, save some pars, and Sunjay was very good at that last week. You look at the track record, not very good here, but he has two quality finishes, was second at Augusta and also has an eighth at Augusta, very comparable to Muirfield. So no reason why I'm ignoring a little bit of that form because sometimes it takes a guy a couple times to get accustomed to a course. So I think Sunjay can go very well. The one I match up with Matt Humans on is Cameron Young, 40-1. to one. Done everything possible but win this year in his rookie season. Three runners up, two third-place finishes. You look tee to green, nobody's been better the last couple months. Second in tee to green at the PGA, first at the Wells Fargo where I had him, where if he just made a few putts on Friday, might have been in the mix there, and Max Homa eventually got that done. Second at the RBC Heritage, he was in contention there on Sunday. So Cameron Young, 40-1. to one. I did dip my toe a little bit into the Patrick Reed pool this week. I, <laughs> I took 65-1. to one. Tough year since that 2021 victory at the Farmers where he pretty much ran away from a really good field. But if you look tee to green, he gained five strokes and six and a half strokes last week at Colonial. So on his last two starts, five and six and a half strokes gain tee to green. Good history here, by the way. Three top tens and, and six career starts. Even with the difficulty finding fairways until the last few starts. And I mentioned, and Will talked about the fact that he, he couldn't hit a fairway. He was awful off the tee. He had a driver that just wasn't working for him, so he's dumped that, and I think he's got a little bit more confidence off the team. The short game, by the way, even in his struggles, never really left yeah, him. No. He was still making all these putts and scrambling great, only he was doing it for par instead of for birdie, you know, or, or maybe trying to save bogey in these cases. But Patrick Reed, 65-1, to 1, and then a, a kind of a bomb here. Brendan Man of Steel, 150-1. Mm-hmm. Yep, to 1, I took a look at him, too. Struggled the start this year. But he's made five straight cuts. He had a top 10 at the PGA. Always really good off the tee. Like, if you ever look at strokes gain off the tee. That's the strength of his game. Yeah, when you find the usual suspects, you're always going to see Rom up there. You're always going to see Rory. You're always going to see Bryson DeChambeau. Brendan Steele's kind of up there sneaky in the top 10. Actually, seventh over the last 36 rounds for SGOTT. But he's also gained with the Irons in five of his last six starts. So uh, that's what I had for the Futures uh, matchups, actually. The Futures didn't go very well last week, but the matchups did. Ended up going 4-0 on those matchups. So, uh Best one I've had, so we'll see if we can get four more this week. Uh, played, I did play Shoffley at 115 over Morikawa, but, like, it's a coin flip, and I could totally see why they like Morikawa here because the, he does have a win at Muirfield. Aaron Wise, who Matt uh, has a future on over Tom Hoagie, minus $1.30. Mm-hmm. Abraham Answer, minus 120 over Seamus Power, and then Patrick Reed, plus 110 over Billy Horschel. All right, I've got a couple of matchups this week. Pretty much split on my matchups last week, and uh, I've got six outrights. I'll start with Rory McIlroy at 13-1, to and Wes, I wasn't thrilled about getting this chalky, but I couldn't pass it up just looking at this guy and what he's done at this golf course, the correlated courses, the form he's been in. 18, 8, 4, 15, 10, and 5. That's where he's finished at the Memorial in the past. Multiple top 10 finishes at Augusta. He was 5th at TPC Potomac a few weeks ago. 6th at the Concession, another Nicholas course. His current form is just off the charts. The last three weeks, 8th, 5th, and 2nd, and that includes two major championships. So uh, I drank the Kool-Aid and took the short shot on Rory McIlroy at 13-1. to Like Will Gray, I am also on Shane Lowry. Like Rory McIlroy, he's also been in tremendous form this season. In his last six stroke play events, starting with the Honda Classic, he's finished 2nd, 13th, 12th, 
23rd, 3rd, and 23rd. He took 6th here at the Memorial last year, 3rd this year at Augusta. He's got a 12th at Glen Abbey. He's 8th on tour in approach and 21st in par 4 scoring. And we've talked about it, Wes. You really have to do everything well. There's two statistics that I think may be most important this week are strokes gained approach and par 4 scoring. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of interesting about par 4 scoring because this is a par 72. It's got 10 par 4s. You think that would be of more importance on a par 70 that has two extra par 4 holes. But if you look at history, it's been par 4 scoring that has been the common statistic for all these winners. Well, and you look, uh, uh, 7 of the 12 par 4s, by the way, here at Muirfield Village, uh, measure between 450 and 500 yards. So Big that's boys. why I looked. Strokes gain par 4, 450 to 500. The guys that top that model, actually, Cameron Young. Shane Lowry, Gary Woodland, Seamus Power, John Rahm, Max Homa, KH Lee, Rory McIlroy. So we all got a little bit of piece of some of those guys. I got a couple of Irishmen on that list. Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm not going to, or I haven't looked at him yet for the U.S. Open, but I'm going to jump on him here at 28 to 1. Six top 10 finishes this season, a fifth and a second in his last two starts, 29th on tour in strokes gained approach. And again, we talk about needing to do everything well to win the Memorial. Matt Fitzpatrick is number one on tour in strokes gained total. He was 11th at the concession, second at Potomac. He has a third-place finish here in the past and also a 14th and a 7th at Augusta National. Remember, he was third here to John Rahm back in 2020, so this is a guy that's proven he can go well. And I am with you on Sun JM. I got him at 36 to 1. 11 top 25 finishes this season. You mentioned he missed a couple weeks due to COVID, returned last week nicely to finish 15th at the Colonial. And he, too, does everything well. He is very steady across all the stats. By the way, also fifth on the PGA Tour in par four scoring. Keegan Bradley at 55 to 1, four top 10 finishes in his last six stroke play events. The form is maybe the best of his career. He's 30th on tour in strokes gained approach. He's finished eighth here at the Memorial twice in the past. He has a fifth and a second place at Potomac and also a fourth place in the past at Glen Abbey. Finally, Chris Kirk, my third week in a row going with Chris Kirk. I got him at 70 to 1. He was he- right there for us going into Sunday and then just. Couldn't get it going. Yep, yep. He is not disappointed. I mean, he's cashed the top 10 and the top 20 for me at the PGA and at Colonial, finishing 5th and 15th the last two weeks. But 34th on approach, 8th tee to green, 28th in par 4 scoring. Chris Kirk is not a guy that you think of as a dominant player in the world. He's currently ranked 63rd in the official world golf rankings. But, boy, for the last three or four months, his stats have been flying off the mm-hmm. page. Yeah, it was fourth year back in uh, 2014. I believe that was the year Matsuyama won in the playoff over Kevin Na. So has played well here before. And and look, uh, experience has done well over the years here. So Chris kind of like Augusta yeah, again, right? Yeah, he's he's been playing very good golf of late, and uh, you know just starting to find that confidence. You know, getting some top tens, getting some top fifteens, and just getting that rolling. And uh, you know, some of these guys too. I think he might already be in, maybe based on his world ranking. But this is a guy that might have some urgency to try to qualify for that U.S. Open. All right, very good. So that rounds out my outrights. But uh, as far as head-to-head matchups, I went back to Sun J.M. and I took him over Daniel Berger at minus 115. And then I actually went against John Rahm. I went right to the top of the board and took Patrick Cantley at plus 130 over Rahm. I thought that number was pretty out of line. And, you know, the stats will tell you that Cantley is the better player right now. I know Rahm won in Mexico a few weeks back but that was probably against the weakest field of the entire season. Other than that victory, Patrick Cantley's been much better than John Rahm. Yeah, and and look, has had a, a couple weeks off. I know he was a big disappointment at he the sure PGA, was. but this is a guy that's won twice here already. I know John Rahm, you know, we know the story. He was six shots ahead at the end of Saturday, and then they told him, okay, you pop, pop tested positive for COVID, and he had to withdraw. But nevertheless, Patrick Cantley had to win the event and get it done on Sunday, too, and beat Morikawa in that playoff so look 
sometimes when you're struggling, and Patrick Cantlay has been a little hit and miss, especially in the majors this year, sometimes when you're struggling, you go to a place where you have previous success and that turns you around, and Patrick Cantlay has obviously been outstanding at Muirfield Village. Yeah, he sure has. He's won here twice. He's also seems to be kind of a Jack Nicholas design specialist, does Patrick Cantlay. You remember the win at Sherwood yes. not too long ago as well. So Patrick Cantlay plus 130 over John Rahm. Now, you have hit an outright two weeks ago with JT. Matt Eumanns hit one last week with Sam Burns. I'm hoping it's my turn, and this has been a good tournament for me. Two out of the last three years, I've had the winner. I've had John Rahm in 2020, and then I also had Patrick Cantlay in 2021. So, hoping that trend continues for the Long Shots crew and myself. That is going to do it for us. Next week, we go north of the border for the RBC Canadian Open, and for that, we bring in our man who is also north of the border, Jeff Feinberg, will come on to help us break it down. Enjoy the memorial, everybody. You know these guys are going to hit some really long shots. Hopefully we do, too. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.